that passage. All right. Well, get about 30 minutes. When Pastor Danny asked me to teach tonight, I got to thinking. I was like, man, Wednesday night. Uh, you know, I don't know how long prayer meeting usually goes. And it kind of varies how many people are here or how many requests are given. I just know the past two times that I've taught on Sunday night, I've gone at least an hour. Um, so, but I've also heard sometimes some of the best teachers only need a short amount of time to get their point across, but I don't consider myself a good teacher, so the hour it is. All right. <laughs> it's a joke. I'm kidding. I'd I, I, I like to go home at some point, too. All right, so tonight we're going to be looking at David, the story of David. Um, now, this isn't going to be a typical David sermon, um, so don't, just because I said David, you know, story, don't, don't just turn it off. Uh, yep, I heard this before. Okay, it's going to be a little different. We're not going to go through the whole story of David, but I'm going to hit some highlights and some key points, and then we're going to... Uh, Look at some characteristics uh, of David, uh, the six C's of David's life, and which one, which David are you? And I've connected all these characteristics to points in our Christian life. And you can be at these different points and different points in your life. Just because I'm younger doesn't mean I'm at, a, at another point. This is different, like I said, different points in your life. So, just real quick, when I say David, what characteristics pop in your head? Just real quick. King. Courageous. War. Shepherd. What was that? Adulterer. We're going to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> Anything else? Real quick. David. Nope. Okay. Well, I've got six, like I said, that we're going to cover, and hopefully the one of these, hopefully as a Christian, you're in one of these characteristics. We're all somewhere on our daily uh, physical and spiritual walk. Uh, some of us may be doing really well. You know, we got it, we've gone through life, and we're doing pretty good. You know, we're not having a lot of trials. We're not having a lot of tribulations. We're on, on, on track with God. We're in tune with God. Daily life's going well. Got a good, uh, good Bible plan, good prayer life. Others may be struggling a little bit, and that's fine. We're all going to be, we're all somewhere in, in, in that range. We're somewhere in between there. Wherever you are tonight, hopefully, this is for you. Um, I've tried to make this uh, be and have the ability to connect to everybody. Now, just because I'm saying that doesn't mean everybody's going to get something out of this, but I'm, I'm trying my best. So, tonight, uh, we're going to look at David and break down six characteristics of, of his life that I believe, as Christians, we are. So, number one, uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 16. Uh, we're going to read verse 11 and 13. So, number one, 1 Samuel uh, 16, 11 through 13. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, 
for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and withal of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look, look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So point number one, characteristic number one, is David the child. Now, he's not actually a child at this point. He's young, young teen, young man, uh, as young boys that age kind of like to be considered a young man. They don't want to be a child. But we're all children of somebody, right? We're all still a child. And I mean that in the sense of a, a children, uh, somebody's child. So he's a young, young man, young teenager. But <laughs> the reason I, I, I said child instead of maybe courageous is... Some of the most courageous and bold people we know are children. Um, I can think of a few that we have in this church right now. If you go up and ask them what they're thinking, they're going to tell you. They're going to be bold about what they're thinking. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's hurtful, but uh, sometimes you just need to hear it. Um, so he, he was brave. He, he had courage like a lot of young children. The biggest story of uh, courage, David and Goliath. Now, we're not going to read the whole account and everything because, like I said, some of us are familiar with this already. But just think about that. That's how courageous he was. He went in and he challenged those soldiers. What are y'all doing? Do you not have faith? Do you not, like, are you not, does this not upset you enough to stand up for, for God? And he went in there and they were like, oh, you're, you're, just, you're just some kid. You're, you, you shouldn't be here. You're just wanting to see battle. You're just wanting to, no, no, no. He was there to deliver, and then he heard what the Philistine was saying, and he was like, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm going to have courage, and I'm going to do what's right, even as a young man, a teenager. <clears throat> so in our lives, we should be like David as a young man. We should be bold. We should stand up for what is right. We should be bold like David. All right? Next one, 1 Samuel 18 1 Samuel 18, we're going to have a few passages, uh, we're going to be going through a few passages, so bear with me. Uh, some of them are going to be a little bit longer uh, than others, but we'll try to, we'll try to, I'll try to keep, keep it moving so we're, we're all engaged. 1 Samuel 18, 5 through 16, and David went out whithersoever Saul sent him. So let me kind of, let me kind of set this up a little bit. This is after David defeated Goliath, went out there did the, the sling thing, and took out Goliath, okay? This all happens, the battle is over, and Saul's like, you're staying with me. You're not going home. You're too good to be at home. So Saul has taken him in, Jonathan and David, best friends. So this is, this is where we're at. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over the men, set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, 
They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? So he's saying, what, what else is left? If, if he's got ten thousands to his name, then I, I only have thousands, so he might as well just have the kingdom. At that point, he didn't like that. And Saul eyed, I like this, and Saul eyed David from that day and forward. Just got to keep an eye on him. I don't really like him. He's, he's here to take my place, and I don't like that. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even, even to the wall with it. So he's so angry, he's like, I'm going to throw this javelin so hard, I'm going to pin him against the wall. That's a lot of pent-up anger. And David avoided him out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself wisely, very wisely, he was afraid of him. <clears throat> but all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. So point number two, David the conqueror. There's a lot of verses there, but this is this characteristic that I wanted to kind of pull out of this is David the Conqueror. It, he was praised, he was lifted up. He's this young teenage boy just being praised. You know, look at what he's done, look at what he's done. And Saul's like, I'm the king, you know, look at what I've done. Just just from one act. And how how many times in our lives are we going through trials or something and we're just we're just we're just we're getting it, man. We're, we're tearing it down. You know, nothing, nothing's in our way. We're conquering this. We're conquering that. We're conquering this. And we're feeling good, right? Nothing stood in David's way. He had the kingdom, the people, at his feet already. <clears throat> and the, because the Lord was on his side. And that's the difference between David and Saul. Saul displeased God, so he said... <clears throat> I'm going to choose somebody else that's going to take your place. And so the Spirit of the Lord went from Saul and went to David. So when the Lord is on our side, we can conquer anything. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, our life's going to be perfect, but we can conquer anything that comes in our way. We can just keep on rolling, not even have to think about it. Just do what we're supposed to do. Saul tried to hurt David because of the Lord's blessing. How many times does that happen? When we're, we are on track, we're following God, we're following God, we're doing good. He's, he's, he's getting us through these trials. And then Satan tries to come along and just tries to trip us up. Tries to trip us up. <clears throat> Put something right in front of our way to make us stumble. How often does that happen? Very often. People uh, say Satan tries to attack the ones who are most active for the Lord. And it's true. Um, I'm not always the most active, but today... I can tell you Satan was really trying to trying to get at me because I was teaching tonight. <clears throat> I left work early. And on the way home, I had to stop because something was wrong. And Satan's always trying, trying to discourage, trying to get you off track. But we got to be strong. <clears throat> but we also have to behave ourselves wisely. 
David still did what was right, and it says multiple times he behaved himself wisely. So even though all this stuff was happening, he didn't he didn't go asunder. He didn't do things that he shouldn't supposed wasn't supposed to do. He stayed on track, and he did what the Lord wanted him to do. He didn't retaliate and go after Saul. He could have. And in our fleshly uh, point of view, he should have. <laughs> but he didn't. He just got away from him. Like, you know what? He's angry. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to get away. And then Saul appoints him to a thousand men and kind of gets him out of his uh, presence. We must stand tall and press on for the cause of Christ. <clears throat> As conquerors, we need to trust God and his strength. I know there's many times, I, I, I will speak from personal experience, that I try to, you know, I'm going through and I'm, I'm feeling good and, you know, no, nothing's stopping me. I've been, I've been on a good, good streak and then all of a sudden <clears throat> I get confident and then I start declining. I'm like, what, what's going on? What, this is crazy. I was doing so good. That's the key. I was doing so good. It's not us, it's God. So point number one and point number two, David the child, David the conqueror. Be bold like a child and strong like a conqueror. Then we are going to kind of shift the focus a little bit to the third point. We're going to jump to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 11. Some of y'all know what this passage is. <clears throat> Second Samuel 11. I'm going to read, um, I'm going to skip through and read some of it, kind of hit the, the high, highlights in, in this uh, chapter. <clears throat> but this is the chapter about um, Bathsheba, Uriah. All the trials there. The this is when the the glory and the uh, greatness of David starts to kind of crumble a little bit more. This is kind of I would say one of like David's lowest point in his at least that is uh, written about in the Bible. And this is a good um, example for us that even our lowest, you know, on the other side, God will He'll always be there for us. <clears throat> So, let's read uh, chapter 11. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle. Remember that, that uh, those sentences there. <clears throat> that David sent Joab and his servants with him. And all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Am- Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. So, I'm going to stop there and give you the point for this one. <clears throat> David, the complacent. And this is, this is a big one right here. I feel very many, or a lot of Christians become complacent. And not necessarily on purpose, but it's just the everyday alarm goes off. Get up, get ready, go to work, go to work, do work, go home, eat dinner, go to bed. You know, five days a week, six days a week, seven days a week. It's the same thing every day. Your schedule is like clockwork, literally and sometimes physically. Sometimes your bodies get so used to a schedule that you, you don't need an alarm clock. So, 
<clears throat> becoming complacent. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And so David says, uh, Yep, I want her to come to the, the castle. Does a very uh, horrible act. And she winds up pregnant. Oh boy. Now he's really done it. He's already done one bad thing. And now, because of that one bad thing, that sin, his consequence is already already there. <clears throat> so, I remember I said, remember the sentence at the beginning. It came to pass, the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. So, one thing... David was not supposed to be where he was at when he saw Bathsheba. He was supposed to be out battling, right? Right. So that's mistake number one. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. Mistake number two, because of him not being where he's supposed to be, he saw Bathsheba. And we, that's when we, when we become complacent and say, ah, nah, I'm good. We wind up being in places we shouldn't be. And facing temptations we shouldn't have to face that we force onto ourselves because of bad decision making. And so then he uh, commits adultery. And now she's pregnant. And now he's like, man, I've got to, how do I fix this? <clears throat> well, okay, here's what I'm going to do. So. Uh, the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am a child. And David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Verse 7, and when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded, demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. And he's just saying, hey, you know, I, I want this guy to come back and I want to just, you know, have some small talk, see how he's doing. And then, you know what, hey, while you're here, just, just go to your house and, you know, just... Spend some time with your wife and everything. He was trying to create a cover-up story. And how did that turn out for him? It just turned the situation even worse. Now he's dug himself deeper in the hole. But Uriah, so he, he has him for dinner and everything. And uh, he says, go down to the house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house. And there followed him a mess of meat from the king. <clears throat> But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all of the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. Man, David's really messed up now. <coughs> and when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down into his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst did did thou not go down into thine house? Like, what are you doing, man? You know, you know I can see him. He's trying to play it off. Be like, hey, you know, why don't you go home? You know, it's okay. I'm giving you permission. You can, you can do that. You can do that. And Uriah said, verse 11, unto David, <clears throat> The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul liveth, liveth, I will not do this thing. <clears throat> so he's saying, what makes me so special? 
Why should I do that? You know, my fellow soldiers, my fellow kinsmen, they're out on the battlefield suffering. They're not living the high life. They're not comfortable. You know, so he, he's being reasonable and saying, I, I don't, this isn't what I should do. <clears throat> I should be out there with them. And David said to Uriah, tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. So we'll skip a couple verses. Verse 14, excuse me. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Most of y'all know what this letter is. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. That is just... One of those verses you read, and it's just like, did I, did I read that right? David <clears throat> tries so hard to get Uriah to go home. Just go home. Just go home. Go home. Go home. That way, when she, when she uh, has the, the, the pregnancy and everything, and has the baby, everybody's like, oh, you know, that's, that's great. You know, phew, David, David's off the hook. But it didn't work. And now, to cover it up even more, David's like, he's going to go. I'm just going to, I'm going to write this letter, and I'm going to have Uriah deliver his own death letter. And then, then you read, in the hottest moment of the battle, have everybody retreat. That is just, it's awful. Their own kinsmen, Somebody who a couple of nights before was like, nope, I'm going to stand. I, I should be out there with them. <clears throat> so then you go down and the, what David commanded happens. And Uriah, Uriah is killed. And then Joab tells David. And then David uh, calls Bathsheba to his palace. And they become, they become husband and wife. And everything's good, right? No. That's when you can see through all this, we become complacent. We become confident in ourselves and we become complacent in the everyday mundane life. And then we wind up making decisions that lead to sin and temptation that we can't uh, face and evade on our own strength and we start falling uh, prey to this temptation and then it's just a big snowball effect this is a huge snowball effect of just one bad decision after another after another after another and instead of just fessing up to it getting it out there praying about it and confessing it he keeps trying to hide it keeps trying to hide it keeps trying to hide it and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger so, David the complacent. David had become comfortable with his life, and David did not rely on God. David pursued what his flesh wanted when he looked at Bathsheba. He commits adultery, murder, and then lies to cover it all up. So, as Christians, we must stay in tune with what God has for us, even through the everyday mundane life. <clears throat> all right, next point. I've got eight minutes to finish three points. 
<laughs> David the Challenged. Next, next chapter. Um, David the Challenged. And this chapter, um, I'm going I'm to read the verses that I have because this is such a powerful portion of Scripture. I remember the first time I read this and really understood what it was, it just, it hit me like, man, put, I, I want to put myself in David's position and be like, oh yeah, that's terrible. And it's like, that's you. Oh. So let me read it and then hopefully you kind of you feel the same way. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. So this is after all Bathsheba and you know now Bathsheba is David's wife and everything's good, right? And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him, and he said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nursed up, and it grew up together with him and with his children, and it did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. So he considers this, this little lamb a, a, a child of his. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. So he takes this little lamb and he prepares it for a meal. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Oops. Wish, but you, knowing what happens next, don't you wish David could? Oh, I'm going to take those words back. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. And I have delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives unto thy bosom. And gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if thou had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do, to do evil in his sight? Thus thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife. And has slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine, thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son, for thou didst it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So, as soon as David says, this is terrible, I'm angry, whoever did this, they're going to die, they're going to repay for it, fourfold, and all this, Nathan just looks at him and goes, it's you. 
Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. So if it's not enough Nathan already saying that, then he puts on top of it God saying that. God told me this. He knows. And then he lists out everything that you, you did. And then he goes through all the punishment. What, what's going to happen? And what's David's response? After all that, I have sinned. Yep. Which at that point, he can't really deny it. <laughs> but he says, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan says, but you're not going to die. That would be, how do I say this, too easy. The baby that is on its way, it's going to die. And, you know, in, in this passage, I feel something that I, I gleaned was, God knows what will hit closest to home. You can have all this stuff, and then when it's time for God to speak up and convict you, he's going to know what's going what's to hit closest to home. Because he knows us. Like, like the lamb, you know. David was a shepherd at, at a young age, made this connection with, with these sheep. And then now he hears a story of some man who made a connection with this lamb as a, as a pet, as one of his own children, and this man just comes along and just kills it because he didn't want to kill one of his own. And David's like, oh, no, 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 no. It struck a chord with David, and it got his attention. God will show you something. If there's something in your life, he'll show you, whether it's through a sermon or a messenger like, like Nathan. David had committed an egregious act with the whole situation with Bathsheba. And just, just a terrible thing. But David's response was that of, yep, it was me. I've sinned. He didn't, he didn't try to deny it. He didn't try to go against it. He quickly admitted that he had done it. That's how we need to be. If God's saying, hey, you got something. You got something. And he's convicting you. Admit it. Don't hold on to it. We must be listening. If We must be listening. If you're going through a rough time or if you are dealing with a sin or a problem, confess it, get it dealt with. All right, I gotta keep moving. I'm getting, I'm getting uh, caught up. Very, very strong passages. Um, next, so it's David. We got David the child, the conqueror, the complacent, the challenged, and then five, David the convicted. And so after um, uh, Second Samuel twelve fifteen through twenty five, uh, Nathan departed into his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. And David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in, and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. So immediately he goes to God saying, Lord, please, 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 please. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. So God is, he, he, he's, he keeps his promises. And as difficult as they may be sometimes, that's the consequences that David had to pay. 
uh, for his actions. <clears throat> and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? So they say the child was alive, and he still wouldn't listen to us. How's he going to react when we tell him that the baby's dead? But when David saw that the servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when, they, when he required, they, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then, his serv- then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. And when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat, and eat bread? And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? David in his heart was thinking, Maybe there's a chance that God will spare this child from my actions. But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And then David goes to Bathsheba and comforts her. And just how, how David reacts in this situation, how, put yourself in that situation. Would you react the same way? While the child is still alive, he's, he's praying, God, please don't punish the child for my actions. But it was too late. What, what was done was done. What, what was done was done. David's actions, he couldn't, he couldn't take it back. And I think David would rather have just died himself than that, that child pass away. Then uh, David the convicted. David was distraught because of what he had done. Because not only does his sin, did his sin just affect him, but it also affected his wife and his child. And that's something that we need to think about. I'm, I'm trying to hurry. Our sin and the consequences of our sin don't just affect us. Right? Our decisions don't just affect us. So many times when you might make a decision and it might affect one person, two people, it, it affects other people. Your sin and the consequences of your sin do not just affect you. Sometimes the worst punishment or consequence of your sin is the effect it has on those around you. Like in this situation. It affected David's child so much that the child died. And then that punishment in of itself was terrible for David and Bathsheba. They now had to grieve over a lost child. David prayed to God. He fasted, but it was too late. God may allow bad things to happen to get a hold of us, to wake us up. God does not make these things happen. We do. And what I mean by that is God doesn't orchestrate bad things to happen. He just allows them to happen. And like I said, sometimes to get our attention. Sometimes we're going through life and we're just, we're constantly pushing off, constantly pushing off. We're stuck in sin, stuck in sin, stuck in sin. Like, God, no, no, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. He's like, okay, this is going to happen, and I'm going to allow it to happen because I can't, get, I can't get a hold of you. So that's why I'm saying when you have something and God's pointing something out to you to get handled, get it handled before it's too late because God will get your attention at some point. 
David understood there was nothing he could do to undo what he had done. David was given another son out of this Solomon. If you read on, uh, verse 24, And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in unto her and lay with her, and she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon. And we, know, we all know Solomon, right? The wisest man to ever live. Probably the wealthiest man to ever live. So even out of this terrible situation, God's still blessed. Look what Solomon did for the people of Israel, for that kingdom. All right, lastly, I'm, I'm trying to hurry. Uh, we got David the child, the conqueror, the complacent, the challenged, the convicted, and then David the contrite. And one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 51, we'll flip over there real quick. Psalm 51. This psalm was directly written by David after all this had happened. And I encourage you uh, to, to read all of it. We won't read all of it now, just for sake of time. But it starts out with David coming to God broken. Have mercy on me. O oh God, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. He's not coming to God saying, please, 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 begging, begging. He's just saying, Lord, I've done wrong. Have mercy on me. I don't deserve it, but have mercy on me. He was seeking God to cleanse him from his filthiness. David admits his sin. Blot out my transgressions. David asked God to forgive him. God will not turn away. It says so in this passage. God will not turn away a broken spirit. A broken and needy spirit. Uh, Trying to find the verse. The sacrifice, verse 17, Psalm 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. God's not going to look at that and go, whatever. No. If you are genuine and if you come to God, Lord, I'm broken. I need you. He's not going to go, get lost, go find somebody else who cares. No. He cares. David wanted to be back in God's will. He'd seen what the other side was like, and he clearly didn't like it. He wanted to be back in God's will. David the child, be bold. David the conqueror, stand strong. David the complacent, don't get lost in the everyday life. David the challenged, confess the sin before it's too late. David the convicted, if you have a sin, come to God. Speak to him. And David the contrite heart, with David the contrite, be broken, be genuine. Lord, I need you. I'm nothing without you. Each one of us fits in these, in these characteristics. We must be listening for God's guiding, God's healing, and God's correction. But most importantly, God's calling. Examine your life. Where are you at? Which, which one of these characteristics are you at? Trust God. Lean on him. If you're in sin, it's not too late. It's not too late. God's there. He'll listen. If you're doing well, keep going. But in his strength, 
not your own. If you're stuck in a rut, ask God to get you out. Read your Bible and pray fervently. I hope this was a blessing to you and just uh, maybe a challenge, an encouragement. Um, but this has been a very, uh, very much an encouragement to me just to reread all of this and just kind of have a different outlook, a different perspective on it. But it's, I, I just, again, I hope it was a blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for this evening, Lord. Thank you for allowing all of us to be here. Um, Lord, just again, thank you for this privilege uh, to speak and share your word. Lord, I just hope that uh, this was a blessing. Lord, I know this was a blessing to me um, because it's a challenge. How could I get up here and teach and uh, be a hypocrite, Lord? Lord, just help these help us to take this and re- remind ourselves each day that we're, we're at one of these stages in our lives, Lord. Just help us to be bold for you, to stand strong, not be complacent. Lord, if we are convicted or you, you bring something to our presence, say you need to fix this, help us to get it fixed, to get it uh, taken care of, Lord. And then come to you with a broken, contrite spirit of we are nothing but a hunk of flesh that is worthless without you, Lord. Lord, just be with us. Help us to all be safe as we go home tonight, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.